Freunde. Hallelujah. This is church. <laughs> you can be seated if you can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, welcome to the second leg of our Take the Lead conference. Pastor Chris did a great job last night. I mean, them Holy Ghost pellets were hitting everywhere. They were flying all over the place. You couldn't escape it. You had to get hit. Hallelujah. But he spoke on being led by the Spirit, and I was thinking about that today. Being led by the Spirit doesn't necessarily mean God's going to always lead you to a good place. You know, Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, and it says the Spirit of God filled him. But guess what? Guess where the Spirit led him? Spirit led him to the wilderness where he was tempted 40 days, 40 nights by the devil. So sometimes being led by the Spirit don't always mean God's going to lead you to a good place, but he's going to lead you to a place you need to be. You're going to need to fight that battle, that whatever uh, place he's bringing you. That's what being led by the Spirit's all about. That's why we're sons of God, because we're going to go wherever the Spirit leads us. Not where we want to go but where he wants to lead us. Hallelujah. So this conference is all about God touching every aspect of our life, our spirit, our body, and our soul. We got touched last night by our spirit. Tonight, we're going to talk about our body. And really, the, the reason for this conference is really to strengthen us, strengthen the church, to do the work in the kingdom of God. That's what it's about, taking a lead. And that is healing us and making us whole and equipping us to be laborers in the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. We ain't just here to get all fired up. We're here to become something that God can use in the kingdom of God. You know, uh, we are in the last days, the final harvest of souls, whether you know it or not. And every believer is needed as a worker or a laborer in the kingdom of God. Jesus told his disciples this in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. He said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You notice something there? Whose harvest it belongs to? It belongs to him. It's his harvest. The church belongs to him. You belong to him. This ministry here belongs to him. It doesn't belong to us. So the church, if you're going to belong to the church, you've got to be born again. 
blood-washed, spirit-filled to be a part of the church. And let me tell you something. Uh, when we are saved and filled with his spirit, this, when I, what I'm getting ready to tell you here reminds me of something my father used to do to me. He used to sit me down and, he's, and he used to say, son, I'm going to tell you something you don't know. Well, let me tell you something you might not know tonight. The ability to be a laborer is in you. It ain't just for some of us. If the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead is in you, you're a laborer. And you have the ability to be a laborer in you. You have the ability and the anointing to break every yoke, to deliver and impart wholeness to anybody, whoever it may be, you. I want to tell you, that spirit that's in you gives you the ability, the burden, and the love for the loss is in you. Don't ask God to give it. It's in you. If the Spirit of God is in you, you have this ability. You have the ability to have compassion for the multitudes, for the lost people. You have that ability in you. You don't have to ask God for it. It's in you. Because the same Spirit that led Jesus to the cross of Calvary is in you. It's in you. Because the same Spirit, not a different spirit. I thought about that when I was first saved, that the Holy Ghost that filled me is the same Holy Ghost that was in that tomb 2,000 years ago that allowed Jesus to walk out of it. That's the same spirit. Not another one, not one like it, but the very same spirit. Now, the vision of this church, which should be the vision of all churches, is the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to bring the gospel to everyone on earth, and we must not be ashamed of it. Not ashamed of it. This is what Paul says in Romans 1, verse 16. Paul said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So tonight, we're going to look at raising the standard. That's the title of this message tonight, raising the standard. And that's what this conference is all about. We want to raise the standard here. And uh, we're going to be centered on an Old Testament story that's found in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. It says the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Raphidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side 
one on the other so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and he called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. The, the key verse here is that Moses built an altar and he called it, the Lord is my banner. The King James Version calls him Jehovah Nisi, our standard, our sign, our sail. It's what we go to battle with. We put that sign up there and, and we, we go. The Lord is our covering. He's our protection. He's our shield. He's our safety. Why? Because we got enemies. We got enemies. We got enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil is are our enemies. So tonight, what we're gonna, the enemy we're gonna work on tonight is our flesh. How many know this is our greatest enemy? Our own flesh. You sleep with it every night. You feed it, you wash it, you take care of it. I want to tell you something. It's not your friend. It's not your friend. Jesus told his disciples. When he asked them to watch and pray, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, they fell asleep. And Jesus said, you couldn't watch and pray for one hour? You couldn't do that for one hour? He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, the spirit, the spirit every one of us, well, our spirit says, hey, we're going to do everything for God. We're going to do everything we can for the kingdom. That's what our spirit says. But guess what? We don't get it done. We don't get it done. See, but our flesh is too weak to do it. Verse 8 of our text, we see the Israelites get attacked by the Amalekites. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. You say, Pastor, what does all this mean? The Amalekites were descendants of Amalek, who was a descendant of Esau. You know that name, Esau? One of Isaac's two sons, Jacob and Esau. They were fraternal twins. They didn't look alike. They came out at the same time, but they, they were two different people. They were like day and night. Esau was a hairy outdoorsman. He was a hunter. Jacob was a homeboy. He stayed around his mother. He had smooth skin. He was clean. He, he was a homeboy. And he liked to cook. And he liked to be domestic. You understand? One day, Esau came from hunting. And he was very tired. He was worn out. And he was hungry. His brother Jacob was cooking. He was cooking some rich stew with lentils. I don't know whether you like lentils. I eat lentils. I love them. All right, if you're starving to death, they look good. <laughs> Let's read the story, Genesis 25, 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew, 
And Esau came in from the fields, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom, which was red. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him, sold his birthright to Jacob. Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, I don't know if you understand what that means. Esau sold his spiritual birthright that his father Isaac was going to give him that was passed down from his grandfather Abraham that was going to bring him all the blessings that he could even contain. He gave it up. He gave it up to his brother Jacob for a bowl of red stew to satisfy his fleshly hunger. He gave up the eternal blessings to satisfy his own flesh. Flesh is not your friend. That's why flesh is not going to heaven. Flesh and blood is not going to heaven. So why are you going to let this flesh keep you out of heaven? He sold his birthright to give pleasure to his flesh. That is the Amalek spirit. That is the Amalek spirit that will make you give up eternal things for fleshly things. Give up the spiritual things to satisfy your flesh. That is the Amalek spirit. It's the same spirit that operates today against God's people. It's still here to sell out their birthright. So Amalek is a type of the man of the flesh that doesn't value the spiritual things of God. Now, the word says that Esau despised his birthright. He counted the spiritual blessings as nothing. It's, it's nothing. I'd rather the world. I'd rather the things of the world. I'd rather please me. I could care less about the spiritual things. It's the man of flesh that keeps us from being a laborer in the kingdom of God. We don't count the spiritual things in the kingdom worth sacrificing for. No, no, I, I, I want it easy. Our churches today, we got big churches, they filling them up because they got everything for you. You don't have to do anything. You come in, they got the band going, they got the children's ministries, looks like Disney World. We come in, they take care of your kids, they take care of everything. You don't have to do anything. It's that Amalek spirit that's going to keep you out of ministry. It's going to keep us intimidated. It keeps telling us, you can't do that. You don't need to do that. The man of flesh will keep you out of the supernatural. Let me tell you something. Christianity is supernatural. 
you, when you become born again, you become supernatural. You leave the natural realm and you begin operating in a supernatural realm, which is the spirit of God. So Amalek attacks you at your weakest point in the flesh, your depression, your lust, your anger, your fears, your rejection. See, Amalek has dared to war against the people of God so the Lord himself will war. Verse 16, he said this, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. What does that mean? From generation to generation. It means he's still here today. This generation. He's still here. And the Lord is still warring against that spirit. But the Lord made this promise in verse 14. Look what he says. The Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. I'm going to completely wipe out. Let me tell you what God's going to do tonight. If that spirit's been warring against you, where you won't step up in ministry, where you won't step up and say, God, where's my place? Where's my place? That spirit that keeps you back is going to be blotted out tonight. You hear me? It's going to be blotted out tonight. When you leave here, you're going to, you're going to see the spiritual world in a different place than you have before because God is going to blot out the spirit of Amalek on us. The Lord's promise is that he's going to take out Amalek down violently. He's going to take him down tonight. And you're going to hardly remember it. You're not going to remember him no more. You're not going to remember how he kept you back from doing things for God, living for God, and, and going forth in God, enjoying living for God, and moving forward. That's going to be wiped out. You're going to be different. You will hardly remember Amalek as the Holy Spirit drives, drives him out tonight. Holiness and wholeness is going to be our fruit. In your wholeness, the presence and the power and the passion of Christ is going to be released tonight to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Why? Because that's what God's plan is. The great commission on our wall and the foyer out there, the great commandment to love God and love people, that's what you see when you first come in. And then there's the great commission, which we have on the wall here. That's what we do, nothing else. That's all we do. We're going to make disciples. We're going to win souls and make disciples for Christ. But the Amalek spirit doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to reach the lost. He doesn't want us to, to deliver the captives from sin. He doesn't want us doing that. And the way he'll keep us from doing that is coming against our flesh. 
if you've committed to this weekend, God's going to war against your Amalek. He's going to war against it. He's going to take it out. He's going to take it out. The Lord promised in Isaiah 59, 19, said when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. The standard is our Lord. He's going to lift him up against our enemy. I want to cover some points tonight for our victory over Amalek and our ability to be a laborer for the Lord in the harvest and to take the lead. That's why we got these shirts. We're going to take the lead. We're not going to sit back and wait for somebody else to do it. No, we're going to take the lead. We're all going to take the lead in the area in which God shows us we need to be working in. We're going to take it. I could sit back. No, we're going to take it. The first principle to our victory is our relationship to spiritual authority. Moses went up to the top of the hill. That was the place of authority. He went up there with, with Aaron and her. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I'll stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses and Aaron and her went to the top of the hill. Now Moses commanded Joshua, go down there and fight the Amalekites. I'm going to the top of the hill and to hold up the staff of God. Moses was Joshua's spiritual authority. Now, Joshua had the free will. He could have done it or he could have not. Joshua could have tried to justify himself and disobey Moses. He could have told Moses, yeah, right. You want me to go down there and fight and you're going to go up on the hill and watch? Is that how it's going to be? That's what people do to spiritual authority in the church. Oh, that pastor said, we got to do this. I ain't got to do that. Why we got to do that? Why don't he do it? Remember when I first came to Chalmette Church, I didn't have nobody on staff. I had my daughter, my daughter Mia. That was it. I had no ministers helping me. People would call me up and say, Pastor, I have a friend that's in the hospital. Can you go and pray for them? I said, what? Yeah, can you go and pray for them? I said, they don't know me. I said, why don't you go? No, that's your job. No, it ain't my job. My job is to train you to go pray for the sick. That's my job. Rather, Joshua obeyed. He obeyed Moses. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't come against Moses, his authority. He went down there, and he won a victory. That's why God gives us spiritual authority, that we might be successful. You see? Now, when I took over this ministry, I could have went, went independent. 
I could have went independent with this ministry. And I would have been the head. But I didn't want that. I submitted myself to people over me. I got men over me that watch me. That if I mess up, they're going to come and tell me. That's what I want. I want to be under authority. I want somebody to, to, to overshadow me to make sure I'm staying on the right path. So don't complain when God gives authority over you, spiritual authority. He gives you pastors and, and overseers to oversee you. Thank God for them. The Bible says you, you need to respect the elders, that they're giving their life to get you right and get you to heaven. You need to, don't cause them any trouble. So we got to have a relationship with spiritual authority. And you got to, but listen, I love spiritual. My pastor's coming here in the morning. Listen to me. When he calls me up and he tells me, be here, go there, do this, guess what? I do it. I don't say, why? Can't you get somebody else to do that? No, when you want me to do it. In fact, he told me I got to be in reserve Monday morning. I'm going to be there at 10 o'clock. I didn't say, well, why? I went to a meeting last month. I got to go to another one this month? No, I'm going. You see, because if you ever want authority, you're going to have to be, got to learn how to be under authority. Then the next thing, you got to be able to walk in the authority that God gives you. See, to walk in the authority God gives us, we will succeed. If I walk in and take the authority God has given me, we will succeed. See, you have to be a servant that's under authority. See, from the beginning of time, the devil has been attacking God's authority. He's been attacking it. Constantly. Let me tell you something what submission is. Submission is not submission until you do what you don't want to do. See, I don't want to do it, but because you are my authority, I'm going to go do it. I don't want to do it. That's submission. When you do something you don't want to do because your authority asks you to do it. See? That's when you submit it. You know, we could ask the Lord, why is there not more evangelism taking place in the church? Obviously, he would answer, because you're not requiring it. See, we're not requiring people to be evangelists. We're not requiring anybody to do anything. Well, if you don't require them to do it, they ain't going to do it. But if we require them, the Lord requires the church to do it, to evangelize. If we don't do it, then we're not, we're not under authority. Who's going to do it if we don't do it? Who's going to do it? Say, oh, let somebody that's got that gifting. No. The same Holy Ghost that's in the evangelist is in us. Every one of us has the ability and the authority to bring somebody to Christ. I learned that, and I didn't even know anything when I got saved. I said, you know, if I could just tell them about Jesus, maybe God will save them. He did. Many. 
That's when God called me into ministry. It wasn't actually do anything I've been doing. Been leading people of Christ. He said, you're going to do this full time now. And that is not an option. Winning people of Christ is not an option. It's, it's, not, it's not the majority rule in the church. The majority don't rule. That's why we got out of that congregational style government we had when I got to Chalmette. So we ain't doing this no more. This is not a voting machine here. We're going to do what God tells us to do. We ain't got to vote on anything. Let's just obey God. Let's just do what God tells us to do. We don't need to vote on what God does. No, let's just do it, obey it. That's when the church grew. We quit all that religious stuff, and it grew. Now, we got we to gotta have a relationship to spiritual authority. We got to walk in that authority. And the next thing is, we got to do it with humility. Humility is when we simply serve and obey what is set before us. Whatever the head of the church tells us to do, the head of the church is Jesus. Jesus told this parable. He says, suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that you may eat and drink? Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. That's all God wants us to do. He wants us to do our duty. That's all. We are unworthy to do it. We are unworthy to be a servant of the Most High God. We are unworthy, but we are. We are. See, we will never be able to take authority over the enemy or set captives free if we're in a pact with the darkness, with rebellion, with pride. You won't get anything done. You, you'll be powerless to set anybody free. It's only when we're under authority and we're walking in that authority will we be successful in the kingdom. The next principle is our obedience to the Lord of the harvest. Our obedience is the expression of our love in heaven. You know, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said this. To the, he said, say this to the Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's God's will to be done? He wants Listen, everybody in heaven obeys. Everybody. The only one that disobeyed got cast out. Everybody, if we want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, it means that all of us must be in obedience to the Lord of the harvest. When we are in obedience to God, then we are doing what heaven does. The same thing that happens in heaven, when God says, 
to those angelic beings and those, those creatures around the throne and the elders around the throne. When he says something, they listen and they do it. Well, that's how the church needs to be. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I tell you? Why do we want to call ourselves Christians if we're not doing what God is telling us to do? What God is asking us to do? Why do we want to call ourselves that? Got, got millions of people calling themselves Christians. And they won't do what God's telling them to do. Show me somebody who is tender and teachable and who listens and obeys, and I'll show you somebody who's going to succeed. I'm going to show you somebody who succeeds. What would this have sounded like in the Garden of Gethsemane? If Jesus would have said to the Father, do, do I really have to go there? I mean, come on. I mean, can we do this some other way? Do, what, is that the way we got to do it? Do we really have to win this thing? Sounds the same in a church today. Do we really have to win the lost? I mean, do we really have to go out there and evangelize? Do we really have to do the purple book? Come on. Do we have to do the purple book and we got to go disciple people? Do we really can't? Do we really have to clean up our lives and live holy? Do we have to do that? Can't we just go back to regular church where we just show up and we pay up and we go home and forget about it? No, we can't do that. We won't do that. Not if you're going to be here. We're not going to do that. We're going to do what God's telling us to do. Jesus told the Father, not my will be done but your will. If we would only do the vision of the church, the only way we can do that, we got to surrender to the cross of Calvary. Jesus is Jehovah Nisi. He's our standard. When we go out into the world, we're going with his standard. He's our standard. We're going to fight the devil. We're going to fight Amalek. We're going to fight whoever. We're going to hold up that standard. Jesus went all the way for the joy of winning and rescuing and perishing. When you are asked, this church here, we're a small group church. There's going to come a time we're going to ask you to start your own life group. And you might say, yeah, but pastor, I might be rejected if I did that. Well, I want to tell you, he was rejected. You might say, well, I'm afraid to start my own group. You might be apprehensive. Well, let me tell you how Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was apprehensive too. He says that sweat was rolling off of him like drops of blood falling to the ground because of what he knew the Father wanted him to do. You might say, well, I'm under pressure. He was too. 
Hebrews 12, 1 says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let's go to the cross tonight. Let's go to the cross tonight for the passion for the lost. Let's go to the cross tonight to destroy the spirit of Amalek. Let's start going to the cross and let's stop justifying the flesh. Let's stop giving the flesh its way instead of obeying God. Let's stop the pride and rebellion of the flesh. Let's present our bodies a living sacrifice. Let's say to the vision that God has for this church here to win souls and make disciples. Let us believe that tonight that God will do what he promised to do, that he's going to blot out the memory of Amalek, that spirit that is against that, that's telling our flesh we can't do what God wants us to do. It's going to be gone. So if you believe what the word just said, from generation to generation, the Lord said, I'm going to be at war against Amalek. I'm going to be at war, and I'm going to blot out the memory. Do you believe that tonight? Stand with me. There's a presence in this place tonight. There's a presence. If you're committed to this ministry, then we got to be free. If you're committed to this ministry, we can't have Amalek. We can't have him. We can't entertain him. He's got to be gone. God said, I'm going to blot it out. All those things he told you, I can't do it. You can't be it. You can't live it. You, you, you can't do it. I'm just going to be satisfied where I am. No, that's gone. If the Holy Spirit is in you, you can do everything God commands you to do. Everything. Not some things. Everything God commands you to do.